This is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Welcome in, folks, to the latest episode of the Unknown Packers podcast, sponsored by Black Husky Brewing. I am Jeremiah Wayman, and this is what I'll be calling, I'm going to say, Who's Next on Tap? As uh, if you're listening into our past couple episodes, uh, Bryce and our new friend uh, Tanner Dunkel from Green 19 Packers, be sure to check him out on Twitter. Uh, he's writing some stuff. He's uh, been a guest of ours on our podcast. I think he does his own podcast. So check him out, but um, a couple weeks ago, I think two episodes ago, on Howdy Duty on tap, they both covered, obviously, the Seattle game, but then kind of went into uh, some of their possibilities for head coaching candidates. And if I remember correctly, I believe Tanner was kind of focusing on Lincoln Riley a little bit. Uh, I know Bryce uh, kind of has his heart set on John DeFilippo. So I kind of wanted to you know, give you my take a little bit on a couple of guys that I'm looking at. I kind of narrowed it down to four. And then, you know, at the end of the episode here, I'll kind of maybe let you know who my favorite is just to keep you on the edge of your seat for a little bit here. But the first guy I want to highlight is Pete Carmichael Jr., the offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints, uh, 47-year-old, has been in football for quite some time, 95-99, Louisiana Tech quarterbacks coach, 2000 was with the Browns tight ends, uh, 2001 went to the Redskins quality control, 2002-2005 was with the Chargers as an offensive assistant, uh, same, mon- same time when Drew Brees was there as their quarterback. So interesting correlation there. Uh, then he moved on to the Saints as a quarterback's coach in 06 to 08. And then 09 was given the offensive coordinator reins with Sean Payton there. So from 95-99, obviously the quarterback's coach at Louisiana Tech. From 97 to 99, he was uh, kind of molded Tim Rattay. And I know Tim Rattay obviously uh, didn't go on to the NFL and become some Hall of Famer or anything. But did... I guess light the uh, college game on fire there for a couple of years. Had two really, three really good seasons, I think, two really good seasons. And then along with him, you know, as the quarterback play was uh, pretty phenomenal there from Tim Rattay for a couple of years under the tutelage of Pete Carmichael. Uh, Troy Edwards had, I think, one of the most uh, record-breaking and still, I think, holds a lot of records for receiving and receiving yards uh, for NCAA um, was Troy Edwards. And obviously, again, he didn't go on to a phenomenal NFL career, but um, just kind of, you know, back even, you know, in his early days here, he, he definitely had a positive impact. And so then you move on and, you know, obviously let's get to the uh, the years of, you know, I guess when he first got introduced or acclimated with Drew Brees. And I think, you know, I was reading an article on The Athletic from Larry Holder from September 5th of this year, kind of just highlighting, you know, Pete Carmichael Jr. as a coach, as a as a person, uh, maybe why he hasn't gotten the notoriety or the looks as a head coaching candidate that he should. And he actually explains, you know, I had this kind of vision that, okay, you know, Pete Carmichael leaves the Chargers, comes to the Saints, Drew Brees then follows suit. Uh, I thought there was a little maybe connection there, but in, in all reality, as explained by Holder in this athletic article, was it was a connection based on uh, Tony Sperano, who was a close friend and coaching friend of Sean Payton, who also uh, recommended Pete Carmichael Jr. very highly as an offensive mind, offensive coordinator. And that's how that kind of came to fruition 
And then in actuality, so Pete Carmichael was hired a couple months before Drew Brees even ended up making the uh, the move to uh, New Orleans. And then we all obviously know how that turned out. So then, you know, moving forward and kind of going through the years with New Orleans, um, obviously they've, they've had a, a pretty amazing offense uh, throughout. Uh, I think we all know that obviously Sean Payton is the kind of the architect of this offense and, uh, you know, calls the plays. So you might ask, well, why, you know, why, why would you care about an offensive co- coordinator that, you know, doesn't really have, you know, isn't calling the plays. And I, you know, I think, uh, you know, the same thing could be, could be said about Joe Philbin when he was in Green Bay and then left to go to Miami. Uh, didn't really have any success there. You know, is that because he didn't really call the plays? He was more just kind of, uh, you know, during the week, uh, installing the offense, as they say, um, getting the guys ready. The difference I see in Pete Carmichael is there is, there has been opportunities for him to, to call the plays. And when he has, he has excelled. And I think that's putting it lightly. Um, in 2011, there was a game where Peyton had an injured leg. And I, I think, you know, if, if you can think back, if you're an NFL fan, you can remember this. And up in the up in the booth, couldn't really be on the field because of his injured leg. I think it came on a, a tackle out of bounds. Jimmy Graham got thrust into him or something. But on that day uh, that Carmichael, this is his first chance as a play caller, uh, the Saints beat Indianapolis 62-7. to uh, Breeze went 31-35 to for 325 yards, five touchdowns. They rushed for over uh, 235 yards and two touchdowns. Mark Ingram and Darren Sproles were the two two backs at the time. Obviously, now we have Mark Ingram and uh, Alvin Kamara. But they each uh, were nearly at 100 yards apiece. And, you know, just some quotes from guys. Uh, there was uh, Zach Streif, an offensive tackle at the time. And, you know, just talking about that run game, that you know, rushed for 235 yards, uh, I think that that's enticing to me based on obviously our newfound run game with Aaron Jones and even Jamal Williams. You have that two-headed horse. But Zach Streif said, you know, when the running game started to come alive was when Pete started play calling. And so I think that to me says a lot about his ability to, you know, what he's doing during the week, installing this offense, installing the run game. And I think that is, and this is my, my own take, but I, I see that as kind of overflowing into what the Saints look like now. I mean, with with Mark Ingram, with Alvin Kamara, lessening the load on a Drew Brees, who's an aging quarterback, but is now having his probably his best season ever at, you know, over 70% completions, probably, you know, leading the MVP talk right now. And I think when you have that that running game to take the load off of a guy like Drew Brees and possibly Aaron Rodgers, that does nothing but help you for sure. The completing the short passes, you know, opening up those deep throws a lot easier. And then, so beyond that, you have obviously have that one game. So you think, okay, big deal, one game. Then if you go to 2012, which we all remember, of course, Bounty Gate with, uh, I believe it was Greg Williams, um, you know, paying players or giving players rewards for taking guys out and whatnot. And, you know, obviously a, a dirty, dirty mark on the Saints in general. But uh, part of that, you know, punishment was uh, Peyton wasn't allowed to coach for that season I know that you know the, the team just didn't go to the playoffs they their record uh, I believe was uh, under 500 but their defense is also 32nd ranked but if you look at the offense which was uh, completely ran by and you know play called responsibilities were at P. P. Carmichael's feet uh, they ranked second in total offense third in scoring 
top five in red zone touchdown percentage, third down conversion rate, and first downs. Uh, Breeze led the league in yards with 5,177 and 43 touchdowns. And then if you look at receivers, Marquez Colson and Lance Moore each had over 1,000 yards receiving. So that's a whole that's a full season of just Pete Carmichael installing the offense, calling the plays, uh, running it how he, how he saw fit. And I think those kind of numbers, uh, I think, speak volumes about who he is and who he could be for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you know, he has a lot of experience. I think uh, some other quotes from that article were, you know, creative ways of picking up the first down, uh, whether that's run, pass. Uh, he figures out different ways of doing that. Also, uh, you know, like I said before, good at setting up the run game. And, you know, last thing I'll say is Sean Payton, he said when he, you know, he is a very kind of light-spoken guy, but I think Sean Payton in this article said when he talks, people listen. So uh, from there, you know, I'll move on to my next head coaching candidate. And I'll do this one quick because I know Bryce and Tanner mentioned him in Howdy Duty on Tap. This is John DeFilippo, the current uh Offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings last year or last two years before that was the uh, quarterbacks coach for the Philadelphia Eagles under Frank Reich, who then moved on to uh, head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, who is succeeding, I think, quite well. Um, the interesting thing I found out about DeFilippo, I wasn't, you know, I went back and looked, and prior to his stint in Philadelphia, I wasn't really that impressed with, uh, you know, maybe his offensive ranks or, you know, quarterbacks. He's He's uh, tutored and, you know, molded. What's interesting to me is, especially based on, I think, let's say McCarthy moves on, is fired, or whatever happens here at the end of the year, and we decide to keep Mike Pettin as purely the defense coordinator, not the head coach, is that DeFilippo has a lot of ties to Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin was the head coach in Cleveland, and DeFilippo was his offensive coordinator. And then if you go even further back than that, uh, the New York Jets under Rex Ryan in 2009. DeFilippo was the quarterback's coach for Mark Sanchez, and I believe that year they, they did make the playoffs, even though that offense was pretty atrocious. If anybody can remember, I mean, obviously, the strength of that team was the Rex Ryan-Mike Pettin defense. But just kind of interesting ties there. So, you know, if if that came to the point of, okay, you know, we're going to hire a new head coach, offensive-minded, and keep Mike Pettin on, would that be an easier transition that they have, you know, this relationship? I think I think that could be an interesting thing to look at. Uh, like I said, I wasn't overly impressed with some of his stints prior to, but obviously I think if you look at the Philadelphia Eagles this year and their struggles on offense, and maybe that's, whether that's missing Frank Reich, whether it's missing Frank Reich and DeFilippo, another, another kind of uh, funny thing as far as, you know, and I think Bryce and Tanner again talked about this incestuous kind of um, Packers fraternity um, that seems, you know, coaches and the GM. And uh, it seems like they always hire guys within this circle that have been tied together for years and years and years in the NFL. And again, DeFilippo in Minnesota, the quarterback's coach is Todd Downing, who actually uh, succeeded um John DeFilippo in Oakland as a quarterback's coach. I believe that was, you know, somewhere between 2008 and 2014. He had a long stint there with the Raiders. You know, Todd Downing is a guy who has kind of been around with him, whether it's on the same staff or followed him somewhere. And if DeFilippo uh, became a hire for, you know, head coach, I could see a very uh, good possibility of 
Todd Downing kind of following him once again to either be the you know offensive coordinator or some sort of offensive assistant. Uh, moving on to our next candidate, and this is kind of a more of the I would say sexy pick. You know, Lincoln Riley, the head coach from Oklahoma, he has uh, gotten a lot of lot of hype, a lot of talk, uh, rightly so. I mean, his uh, three years, I believe, as play caller for Oklahoma since 2015, his his offense is first in passing efficiency in the NCAA, first in completion percentage, uh, first in total offense. He's won 34 of 40 games, and you know now this is his second year as a head coach. The challenging thing is always, you know, how does a college coach transfer to the NFL? And there's actually a lot of uh, writing out there in articles that talking about how, and actually I think it was this morning, Golick and, and Trey, Golick and Wingo, Wingo and Golick, however you want to say that. And I believe it was Golick Jr. that said, uh, kind of put money on it for sure, that Lincoln Riley would go to the Packers. And they, they mentioned and talked about how it's a lot of NFL teams are actually or have been going to Lincoln Riley to kind of get his thoughts on, you know, maybe new ways of kind of modernizing it, um, you know, making it easier for the transition for college quarterbacks. And so I think just that right there says how much respect that the college kind of coaching fraternity has for uh, Lincoln Riley and what he's doing. It seems to be that, you know, what he's running, it's, it's confusion through balanced offensive attacks kind of similar, I think what I've surmised is, you know, similar to what Sean McVay runs, you know, a lot of, a lot of different possibilities from the same, um, same formations. So you're confusing, confusing the defense without having to run out uh, formation after formation after formation, as it seems as McCarthy loves to do. And, you know, like I said, obviously the, the, the shift from college to the NFL has not been Great for a lot of a lot of coaches. Obviously, you know Chip Kelly recently, Nick Saban tried it, Steve Spurrier uh, back in the day. But then there, I think there have been successes, and you know Pete Carroll, which is a little different one because he was NFL, went to college, came back to the NFL. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, obviously, you know played in the NFL, coached at Stanford, then came back to the NFL, had success uh, in San Francisco, and then of course I think the most successful probably head coach with moving from college to the uh, NFL ranks was Jimmy Johnson back in the day with the Cowboys. You know, I think there's horror stories and and positives uh, that could go either way. Uh, I I do think he's a really exciting pick, only 35 years old. I think going from, you know, a college head coach at 35 to jumping right into the uh, the beehive that is, you know, the Green Bay Packers organization and the expectations that come with that. But it, it is also super enticing to think what... Uh, his offense could do and what he could do with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Just a quick attachment to that. Uh, obviously, with no NFL experience, I think if you bring in a guy like Lincoln Riley, you have to bring in an offensive coordinator with NFL experience. And I think, you know, with his similarities, like I said, to maybe Sean McVay's system, I think that the smart choice there would be Zach Taylor, who now is the quarterback's coach for the Rams. He's also served as a Miami offensive coordinator in 2015, so he has experience calling plays. And which, you know, another kind of incestuous, uh, weird circle here. He also was the quarterback's coach from 2013 to 15 under Joe Philbin in Miami. Kind of, uh, you know, small world, NFL, everything's connected in a weird way. Um, and then we'll move on to my final guy here, Josh McDaniels, who, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's that much to say about Josh McDaniels. I think 
everybody knows who he is, what he's done, you know, his success as the offensive coordinator with the Patriots. Um, you know, he's been there pretty much since 2001 at the age of 25, was a uh, offensive assistant and, you know, pretty much left from 2009 to 2010, went to the Broncos, really didn't have much success there. And, you know, while we're talking about the Broncos, I would like to <laughs> uh, apologize to a lot of people um, who maybe follow me on Twitter or elsewhere that I made, I, have, I think I've made some uh, pretty bold statements about uh, him winning with Tim Tebow. And that is completely false because for some reason in my mind, I imagined that the Tim Tebow overtime win game in the playoffs against Pittsburgh was Josh McDaniels. And in all reality, that was John Fox. So I apologize if anybody, hopefully you called me out on it or whatever. But uh, yeah, totally wrong there. And I think a lot of people, you know, say, well, it didn't succeed there. You know, never give him another shot. And I'm, I'm going to say it every time is Bill Belichick had the same thing. You know, didn't succeed in Cleveland. I, I think there was some more, maybe I'm going to say political stuff going on there. But, you know, he had he left Cleveland, got his second chance uh, later on with the Patriots after, you know, some defensive coordinator stints uh, with the Patriots, with the Jets. You know, when, when you look at since 2012 with the Patriots and Josh McDaniels, what he's done offensively, you know, top eight in points every single year top 11 in yards, and I think what, what excites me about his offense is just he's taking what the defense gives you. He's not forcing plays deep. He's not forcing this. He's not forcing whatever you want to call it. It, it seems like whatever, if you're, got, if you're open, that offense is going to somehow highlight you, and I think that, that's, that shows in the fact that you have guys that aren't necessarily household names, that aren't, aren't all-stars, that aren't pro bowlers, like, you know, the Chris Hogans, the James Whites, you know, even Julian Edelman. I mean, the guy was a, a quarterback at Kent State to, to see how he has blossomed in that system. You know, what he did with Wes Welker back in the day. Um, you know, but then you can also have the guys like Randy Moss. Josh Gordon has looked like he's started to blossom really well in his system. You know, even recently this year, you have guys like a Sonny Michelle that shows that he can, you know, he can have a successful run game. But then at the you know at the same time have a successful run game while sprinkling in the pass in the running game with James White. I just think he, he highlights and maximizes the potential of every single one of his offensive players, and uh, it's it, it's been exciting to watch for a long time. You know, kind of envious of it, and I would love I think that could be a, a good good shot for him to work with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, he uh, turned down or stepped back from the indie job last year. Whatever the reasonings were behind that, he did just get a, a nice, big, hefty five-year deal to stay with the Patriots. But I still think, with all that said, I you know, I mean, if you're gonna if you can coach Aaron Rodgers for five to six years and kind of be able to mold whoever the next man up is, uh, I think you'd have to take that chance. So those are my four guys. And you know, with all that said, I I think it comes down for me. It comes down to two guys. I think if you want to go a safe pick, I think you go a safe pick, but a very uh, you know offensive forward. I think could really uh, do some good things with this offense, with the running game, with Aaron Rodgers, uh, kind of especially for the, you know, I want to say twilight of his career. But I think Pete Carmichael Jr. would be a phenomenal pick. I don't, you know, like I said, he's not the uh, really outspoken guy that maybe people want. He's not the fire and brimstone guy. But like Peyton, like Sean Payton said, you know, when he talks, people listen. I do also see the flip side of that and the, the really sexy, you know, the young, you know, the next Sean McVay type pick as Lincoln Riley. So 
either one of those guys. And I think anybody who knows me, actually, I've been, and I kind of maybe sounded like it too, pretty obsessed and excited about the fact of Josh McDaniels. Part of me still thinks that there is something about that. I, I just don't think he's going to leave. I think, you know, whether it's something in there that he, you know, he's going to get the head coaching job when Belichick retires, maybe Belichick retires this year, who knows. But there's something about that situation that I think he just doesn't leave uh, New England for whatever reason that is. Yeah, there you go. There's my my two, uh, you know, I kind of wussed out there at the end and had to kind of split it between two. So Lincoln Riley or Pete, Mark, Pete Carmichael Jr. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Twitter, Facebook. Go check us out on, you know, what you think of my picks or choices. Yeah, thanks for listening. Be sure to go check out our latest releases from Bryce, along with Tanner, who's uh, joined us for the past couple weeks here. Howdy Duty on tap, also UPP19 on tap, just released. Real quick, I gave you my choices of who I'd like to see hired. And I tell you who I don't want to see hired is another Packers family circle retread. And that goes for you, Daryl Bevel, Ben McAdoo, or Alex Van Pelt. For the Unknown Packers Podcast, I'm Jeremiah Wayman. Peace out. It ain't fixin' when you really broke uh-huh. When you face with any pixie, let him know You can really choke uh-huh. How you cope, how you breathe better How you supposed to up the ante in this jungle Then achieve cheddar Question, are you broke as a plan uh-huh. And it's not just a fan of the boat I ain't playing answer I just deal with it Envision holding mega bennies in the jet I just can't engineer with it Simple mind gaming How you supposed to be a trapper in the hood We adjust younger mind